0: It's okay to say it. It really is. This is a good hockey team that still has a ways to go to get even better, and realistically so. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The Penguins bombed, and then barely beat the Sharks yesterday 8-5 to 5 at PPG Paints Arena as a great man once spoke. You'd have to be there to believe it. I was there covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports and couldn't believe the six-goal barrage in the first period. I still can't. I don't know how a team is kept idle for 13 days in a completely unplanned, unrehearsed way and then jumps onto a rink against a decent San Jose team. And they are that. I think they're great, but I think they're better than most people had expected entering this season and does that. Just smokes them. And what was... That much more impressive was it. They did it with their legs, with their skating. They just blew by these guys. In the neutral zone, some of that was transition, but some of it was just raw speed, me versus you. And the Penguins prevailed in a big, big way. Yeah, the Sharks came back and Casey DeSmith didn't look for very comfortable at all in net. Looked even less comfortable when he was out of net. And there were a couple of breakdowns. The Sharks came back, made it a game 6-5, and then Evan Rodriguez completed his hat trick to make it 7-5. And Brian Rust completed his hat trick to make it 8-5. And it was wonderful to have hockey back in our city. But the takeaway here is that these guys could do this essentially rolling out of bed. They've now won eight in a row. They're 18, 8, and 5, fourth in the Metro division, and a comfortable fourth at that, with the Flyers nine points back. Flyers, by the way, coming up Thursday night in Philadelphia. And they're in the wild card position in the Eastern Conference, but all of that comes with big asterisks because they've played two or three fewer games than everyone else. They've got a lot of games in hand. And, oh, yeah, one other thing, they're still missing a ton of guys. Did you look at the list of the players who were unavailable to Mike Sullivan yesterday? Evgeny Malkin is obvious, but there also was Jeff Carter, Kasperi Kapanen, Jason Zucker, Brian Boyle, Teddy Bluger. The equivalent of two full National Hockey League lines, with a couple of those guys being stars, just weren't there, just weren't, you know, part of the process. And they put up an eight-spot? i don't care what the other team's circumstances were that this occurred i do care definitely care what it means moving forward this portion of daily shot of penguins is brought to you by the good people at the greater pittsburgh community food bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western pennsylvania they in turn need your help find out how One dollar can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Now, not everyone who suited up yesterday is capable of playing as well as they did yesterday on a regular basis. If they were, they wouldn't be where they are on this team's depth chart or really any team's depth chart. For example... One of the most effective forwards on the rink was Sam Lafferty. Good for Sam. He's made real strides this season in terms of grasping what he needs to do to stay in the National Hockey League. Drew O'Connor, I thought, was outstanding. If he'd had even a little bit of puck luck, he would have lit the lamp as often as Rodriguez and Russ did. But the fact that they're even in this circle is is nuts. This team is now five and a half, I could say, forward lines deep. Five and a half forward lines deep. You could take those six forwards I just mentioned who were missing Parachute them right into that lineup, and every single guy you're taking out, with the possible exception of Casper Bjorkvist, who was called up for his NHL debut and scored, by the way, good for him, and the guys you boot would all be NHL guys. It's, 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 it's not normal in the salary cap era. It's not something I've seen from this team in a very long time, and I'm yeah, I'm not going to go over the top here, okay? It's, I'm just going to leave it at that. It's been a long time since I've seen this type of depth up front, and I'm using the term depth literally, not saying that it's a better group. I'm talking about the number of them that's here, that's at hand. And that bodes very, very well for a Stanley Cup playoff run in which attrition is always an enormous variable. It also can be a variable when it comes to trades. For whatever reason, the goaltending goes south. and By that, I'm not even talking about DeSmith. I'm talking about Tristan Jari. You have options. You now have trade pieces that you could move without really hurting your team at all. Same goes for right-handed defense. You've heard me complaining about Cody Cece for months now. Well, Chad Ruedel's been pretty good, but what if he doesn't stay that way? What if you still need to bring in another right-handed guy that's not, you know, like Mark Friedman or someone? You also can put out feelers, contract feelers with your own guys players who are expected to be unrestricted free agents this coming summer, and if they sound like they're offering proposals that are unrealistic at any point in time, that's when you consider maybe moving one or two without hurting the current team, to repeat that. Because most of those guys, the Rodriguez, the Russ types, they're up front. Dan Heinen's another one. For now, for now, the biggest challenge is going to be finding a way to get all these guys into a regulation lineup, meaning, you know, just four lines. Three of those lines, as I see it, have to be what you would consider scoring lines. It's got to be 200 feet and all that other stuff, but scoring lines. And then you make the Teddy Bluger line with Zach aston reese and Brock McGinn, your fourth line. And nothing stops them from scoring either. I asked Mike Sullivan, especially in light of Rodriguez's emergence, if he would consider the three-scoring line framework moving forward.
1: For sure it does. You know, Erod's had a great year for us, He's obviously scored a fair amount of goals. He's helping us generate offense. He's got good offensive instincts. And his performance to this point has earned him uh, the opportunities that, that he's been given here. And, and so as we start to get healthy guys back in the lineup, it, I just think it, it, it makes us deeper. It gives us more offense on a different amount of lines. It gives us versatility. We know he can play center. We know he can play the wing. Uh, what I've been impressed with is his play at center. To this point, he's—I think—he's done a really good job at the, at the center ice position. He sees the ice really well. He can distribute the puck, but he's generating a lot of speed through the middle. And so, uh, it's just going to give us a lot of options. Uh, and you know, we're obviously excited about the the opportunity to get a full complement of players at some point. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, Erod's. He's, he's really done a good job playing up the lineup for us and, and contributing offensively, helping us find ways to, to to win hockey games. You bet he would.
0: You bet he'd love to have three scoring lines. He had it with HBK, that of course being Nick Benino between Carl Hagelin and Phil Kessel, and he milked it through both of those championship runs. He hasn't had that capability for the most part since then. So he's gone toward more conventional distribution of his lines. Well, this is different. This is different. This is about rolling lines. This is about going right at teams with waves and waves and waves of skilled, speedy forwards playing the same way that's that's a contender kids that's what that is that is a Stanley Cup contender being formed when we come back just one question Just one question that's brought to you always on this program by fuboTV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. fuboTV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels including AT&T SportsNet Pittsburgh. And right now, fuboTV is offering our listeners of this show a 7-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to fubotv.com/dk. fuboTV.com/dk. And today's J1Q comes from Robert Donahue, who asks, Any chance this continual backup goalie play will finally lead to a change? Not sure how many of these types of games the Penguins will win. Can't expect them to score five-plus goals every time the backup starts. And Robert, without mentioning Casey DeSmith, it's pretty clear you're not exactly wild about his performance to date. I'm not either. I'm not either. And when everyone was singing about DeSmith's sudden reversal where he, you know, snapped his fingers and performed brilliantly a couple of weeks ago. And I asked Casey after the game what led to that. And he said it was. It was just his skates he wasn't comfortable in them and as a result he wasn't playing as much on his toes and taking away angles and and it became a storyline i'm sure for a lot of people and it just wasn't for me I, i came here and spoke with you the following morning so just like hang on hang on because there's some real bad signs there now this particular performance you could You know, attach all kinds of footnotes to it. It sure looked bad. 22 saves on 27 shots. Three of them were on point shots. You really hope that your small-ish goaltender is being really aggressive and taking away from the shooter. And he didn't even really make that much of an effort in a couple cases, to see the puck. And then there's, of course, the one to open the third period where Anthony Cogliano just fired the puck in off the end boards and DeSmith played it in all by himself. And Cogliano barely even raised his arms. You can attribute that to a layoff, I guess, for most players, but he's the backup goalie. A 13-day break for the team should still feel like a 13-day break for the backup goalie, am I right? Where would the rust have formed based on his regular routine? I, I'm not wild at all about DeSmith as this team's backup goaltender, and that's especially the case When you put this into the context of the way I ended the first segment, and that's a Stanley Cup contender. When we reach the point that we're talking about, I don't know, upgrading right-handed defense from a depth standpoint and backup goaltending, then we're talking about a Cup contender. But those moves need to be followed through. You don't want to make it to the stage that you've got almost everything that you want and you still have a very easy option to get exactly what you want and you pass on it. DeSmith is not a goaltender who, if your main guy gets hurt or struggles, is going to pick you up in some Stanley Cup run. He's just not. And, that's that's the vantage point that you need to have. Go back to 2017 and Murray and Flurry back and forth, but remember that Jeff Zatkoff came in and won game one against the Rangers when neither of them was available. This team doesn't even have a Zatkoff. I say that respectfully toward Jeff, a real competitor and a good goaltender for a long time in the National Hockey League. This team doesn't have one of those behind Jari. So, yes, to answer your question, it is something that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke absolutely need to be considering, even if they don't need to act on it right away. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot. let's do another one tomorrow.